This is Richie Wexer, the host of Vintage Annals Archive Outsider podcast, where we speak to outsiders in some way, people that uh, did things differently, thought differently, didn't always fit into the norm in some way, and we really highlight those amazing people. Here today, we will be speaking about Flo Fox, who is an amazing photographer, has been working for 50 years. Um, trigger warning, we do talk about penises in this episode. If your young kids are in the room, please take them out have a little talk, come right back. I'll wait. Uh, anyway, Flo began her career as a photographer in New York City in 72. Um, for the better part of her career, she's been blind as a result of MS that she contacted when she was around 30. She's totally disabled now from that. Uh, she gets around in a wheelchair. She shoots, still shoots and has been shooting for decades with an automatic camera and she directs friends and people to help her out. And it's collected over 130,000 photos in her archive. She shoots all kinds of subjects, um, but some comics, some pointing out some irony, some grit, kind of the, sometimes the darker things in New York. Her work is in the permanent collection of Brooklyn Museum and the Smithsonian. Uh, she's been interviewed on several talk shows, including Regis and Kathy Lee, Tom Snyder. During the 80s, she hosted her own show called The Photo Flow Fox Show, interviewing all kinds of photographers such as Arlene Gottfried and Ruth Orkin. Um, she is an advocate for the disabled and has taught photography classes for the blind and visually impaired students at the Lighthouse for the Blind. Despite blindness, MS, and lung cancer, photographer Flo Fox continues to shoot the streets of New York City and never goes anywhere without her camera. I got connected to Flo through working on a project um, about Arlene Gottfried, her legacy as an Instagram project, and in doing interviews for that, I had heard about Flo Fox, who knew her very well. Um, I got connected through Karen Godfrey, who is uh, Arlene's sister, who I have to thank for doing that. And honestly, once I started talking to Flo, I knew I needed to work with her and do some projects with her. She's one of the coolest people I've ever really met and talked to. She's an artist. She's a photographer. She's an activist. She was a designer. She's had a really amazing life, and she's been through than most people have ever been through. And yet, she is a very positive human being. Um, this is not inspiration porn and I don't want it to be that. I don't want her life to be, to be about that when I present it. It's not, uh, although she could be okay with the porn aspect. She is, has always been very sex positive, has done a lot of work around sex positivity as a female through the seventies and eighties and nineties, um, with a really female perspective. I shoot in Playboy. I was pretty hot stuff and I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I'm not going to say no. But, you know, again, that's flow. Very cool, very down-to-earth, very authentic. Um, her and I are going to be working on a book of her Dictology project, which is uh, about 69 photos, her choice of, of photos of um, Polaroids of men for, from like the 70s to, I think, mid-90s. Um, 23 years of his project of men's penises that entered her apartment in funny and, you know, all different kinds of ways. And we're putting that out in late September. Um, I went to talk to her to start on this project and I spent about three hours with her debating which penises to include and which not. It was, and, and I heard some of the stories behind it and it was one of the best things I've gotten to do in years and years and years. Um, 
I, I, I want you to look at, I want you to dig into Flo. I want you to be an open mind about this episode. Flo's voice is a bit deep from all her medical stuff and medical conditions. Um, but underneath of that, there's a, such a vibrant person who really just wants to go out and, and take photos and be in the world and such an inspiration. Again, not, not so much more than just being a positive person. She'd be a positive person no matter what. But I don't want you to, you know, her voice is a little gruff because of, the conditions of her of, of her throat and dealing with cancer. I just don't want you to hear that and then not see who she is because you'd be really missing out on a person if you'd only heard that and felt bad. And that's not why we're here and that's not what Flo's about. Um, one of my one of the things I learned about Flo that was the best when I researched her for this episode was that she refers to when she's working with someone to help her with her work, uh, she refers to giving the camera a hard on, which is just fucking funny. So I want to again thank again Karen for helping me. Um, I want to give a plug and thank Gigi at Two by Two Media um, for committing to supporting Flo's work and many other artists' work that are older that need help, you know, getting stuff out, making it happen, and sh- her organization does that. So please check it out. Please check out our. Uh, I run an account through my vintage anal stuff called Flow Fox. 69 photos f-o-t-o-s i'm kind of managing some things with her so everything you can find there and i just set up a web page uh, at my at the vintage Daniels archive web page for that uh her, her youtube page is youtube at flowfox 9831 and there'll be all these links in the episode without further ado enjoy this is a good great episode thank you <music> I admired you before we did this, but looking through all your stuff, I'm just really amazed at who you are and what you've done. You're a you're a badass, Flo. You're you don't take shit. It's great. And you're very real and you're honest and you're kind and you're authentic and you're tough. And not everyone's like that. And I think you and I'm like that as well, but not as tough as you are. Well, when you gotta be, you gotta be. Your story is it's a really interesting, sad, happy crazy funny you know your story is amazing i had a question for you about your life story since somebody paid for your life story now you know how much your life is worth what what did do you remember what you got paid to for your life kate jackson the charlie's angel gave me 500 for six months oh man you're worth your life is worth more than 500 dollars, even in the 70s and then she bought it a second time but they still didn't make the film do you know what happened there do you know why they didn't make the film i think the guy who was going to produce it was an asshole <laughs> Oh, it's usually when things don't happen, it's because someone's an asshole. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yesterday, we sent you a picture of me on the cover of an MTA catalog. That was that was taken by Arlie Gottfried. You were the poster child for this new ramp thing that was that was shit that you could that you had to protest to even use. Right? That's how it worked out. Right. That's right. That must have felt really insane. Polaroid was very helpful as far as giving me film. They would send me these huge cartons. I think it was 500 packs that would last six months. And when I tell them it ran out, they would send me another. 
They know they were sending you film to take pictures of penises? No. <laughs> they probably would have sent you more. Amazing. I want to go back to Arlene for a second, and then I want to go into back into that the Dickology project, because that's something I wanted to talk about, if it's okay. Dickology, Dickology right? I'm pronouncing it right? With a T-H. With a T-H. What? Dickology. Okay. Tell me, I mean... Um, originally, I wanted to talk. I was I was introduced to you or heard about, told about you because of your connection with Arlene. And then when I started re- reach, learning about you, and I, t- I talked to Gigi a little bit, and I, I then decided to do a full interview because you were so interesting as a person. Uh, but tell me about knowing Arlene. How did you get to know Arlene? Were you friends? You, you knew her for many years. Everyone told me you you had the most experience with Arlene, and I should talk to you. Ron, when was the photo flow show? 81 to 82. I mean, 80 to 82. 80 to 82. Okay. We did the show one night at the Underground, which was like a dance hall. A yeah. Nice. And I was sitting on the bench, and the director and producer would bring over one photographer at a time for me to interview. Okay. And they brought Arlene over. I said, oh, my God, her sweater looks like she comes from 14th Street. What does that mean? And not very costly. And then she sounded very Brooklyn. I said, oh, my God, she's a character. And then I said, do you have any shows going on? Do you have any books published? I was sort of challenging her. And then I cut it short and said, hey, Arlene, let's look up at the monitor and see your work. And then they cut the film off. And we both looked up. And next week when the work was put on the film, I said, oh, my God, I wish I would have known her work. I was so excited about it. And up until that point, I said, who is she? And I shouldn't have just judged her. She's got a huge body of work. She didn't fuck around. Yeah, that was all for the photo flow show. Did you become friendly with Arlene after the after meeting her that way? Yes. She invited me to her apartment. So I went to see what it was like in Stuyvesant Town, which was like a middle class or lower yeah, middle class apartment building. And then in her apartment, she showed me uh, her dollhouse where... She set up all these little furniture things. And I thought, wow, she's strange. <laughs> but, yeah, I kept it to myself. But we met often, oh, at galleries. But she also sang in a big chorus in a church. I even went there. Oh, nice. Photographed the church, photographed all them singers. I think what's interesting about, I mean, keep in mind, I, so real quick, my connection with Arlene was I have a vintage page. I've been posting her work for like 10 years. And whenever I posted it, I couldn't, there's nobody to tag. So I spent seven or eight years trying to contact her, but unfortunately she was sick. You know, I, she didn't really get back to me. I started contacting Gilbert, but he didn't know who I was. So it took me about almost eight or nine years. And I, I didn't feel right doing a page of her work without her permission. It just didn't seem right. Some people do these like fan pages and it's kind of known that you don't necessarily, you're not saying you represent them, but it just didn't feel right to put someone else's work up there. And I got to know Meryl in that same 10 years. And by the time when Meryl and I got friendly and then she finally introduced me to Karen and then she gave me permission to do it. We're both just two serious photographers going to exhibits 
I watched one of the videos uh, that you put up on your YouTube of all these different photographers. Is that how you got most of those? By just going to a lot of shows, going, you know, going to, you know, I guess, book signings and stuff? Is that how you? Yes. Plus, I became friends with many photographers. And then I would go to a camera club, which we called a non-camera club. Plus, everybody in the group doesn't like being judged. We all just like to meet, order our snacks, and talk what we did that week. So it's more just hanging out, like a book club where you just drink wine, that kind of thing? Good to see you kind of thing, yeah. And then did you, I thought you started that, or, you, did you, or did you just kind of champion? No, about 20 years ago, I was with a photographer, Peter B. Kaplan, okay. who now passed away. Well, first Peter B. Kaplan brought me, and I heard that there were two photographers that would meet once a month. And when they were in this diner, one time they saw some friends and those two photographers joined them. Oh, nice. Then it became four. Then Peter B. brought me and it became six. I would invite people and it grew. And then all of a sudden the craft diner decided to renovate and threw us out. Oh, no. Well, let me ask you a question real quick. Was Meryl in that club? No, not that early, no. So then the club closed down and I found a restaurant where we could meet closer to where I lived. Oh, great. And many people live closer. So we started out, and we've been doing it ever since. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Okay, I want to I want to shift a little bit. There's something I want to ask you, so I want to push a little ahead. But again, I kind of made a list of people that, from what I researched, that seem to be important figures in your life. Uh, the first one being Lizette Modell. I know it's funny because I know you, one thing I wanted to ask you about is you talk about not, not wanting to, not wanting to teach, not wanting to learn. The wrong words. I would never say I don't want to learn. I'm sorry, that was wrong. But you didn't. You didn't like formal education. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to insult you. I said I was allergic to education. Okay. In schools, I didn't wanna. I just don't want to get one person's opinion of this is the way to do it. Yeah. Or to choose who's the best in the class. But you have mentors, correct? You have people that you've learned from. Yes, definitely. And so does Lizette fall under there, even though she wasn't your teacher, does she fall under someone that's been a mentor, someone you've learned from just by knowing her? Uh, just as a friendship and a person. I never learned it through her photography. I gotcha. So what was she like as a person? What was your friendship like? Just very warm and comfortable. And we would go out to get something to eat. Okay. She never would let me go to her apartment because it was down about 10 cement steps oh, no. in the basement. So she was afraid. So we would, we would always just meet at different restaurants. And I lived half a block away from her. And, um, and then I had a boyfriend who she would convince him to drive her around because she would just want to see the city. After she died, I was went down those steps and broke into her apartment. <laughs>
What did you what did you what did you go there there to do? To see what she said her husband painted a huge mural of her on a wall. Oh wow. So I wanted to see it. And I went in there and I said, wait a minute, there's an eye way up on the top left, and there are lips on the bottom right, and nothing in between. So that's her portrait. Huh. Did you take a picture of it? Of course. And then I found a painting about four by six feet of a black background with just a blue eye and pink lip. And I said, wow, the same eye on the top left, the lips. I don't write. It was the same thing except on a canvas. Interesting. So I did walk out with that. <laughs> The estate, okay. the estate already went through everything. There were just a few things on the floor, and they were already done taking what they wanted. So I just helped clean up. Nice. All right, I want to shift to Ouija. I know that you liked him a lot. I know that his work seemed important to you. I know you did a show with him. He was your hero, correct? He was in some ways. I I never met him. He had already passed away years, but his estate set up the show with he and I together. Interesting. Tell me what that was like. What was that like to, to even though he wasn't around, I mean, what, was, what was it like to get to do a show with your like photography hero? I was honored. And yeah, in Paris, we had a two-person show together. Yeah. It seems like you both like to explore a certain amount of darkness. Um, from just from, I don't know, a ton of his work. Both had the same fascination for like the kind of seedy underbelly and grime of New York. Except I have a magazine coming out next month and you'll see the sense of humor, the ironic reality in my work. Tell me about that, because I know you, you know, I, I, I tried to like, you know, you wrote down like an ironic reality. You liked that you like some things that are a little more honest, but with a little tinge of like humor. Tell me about where that comes from. Why is that? Why is that where you landed on your work? No idea. Just is. It's like, I mean, you're a funny person. Is it just because you have a good sense of humor? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. What does it mean? Like, what does ironic reality mean, though? I, I had a hard time kind of understanding that. Well, when you hear a man talking seriously to someone on the bench, you turn around and look and you see it's a dog. Yeah. To me, that was ironic. You talked about what I have here that says, um, you know, you carried your camera by your side every moment or every day, that it was therapy for both ple- pleasures and challenges. Can you speak a little bit more on that, if you're okay? with it everything in life i did every day anything that looked interesting at all i shot it and then years later when i start putting together books and my son said to me why don't you put together a book of mom and pop shop yeah it's awesome i said do i have enough he said you have at least 30 that i saw i said okay let's look well we found 130 Oh wow! You said you used to have you shoot one roll a day. How long did it, how long did that last? Where you shot one roll a day, and how could you afford that? That's crazy expensive. Until I couldn't afford it, probably a couple of months. Okay, but that's amazing. Tell me about the how how the, if it's okay how the Playboy thing came about. What why you did that? I read a little bit about how the process you did for those, and then. How you um, use? I think it was like uh, I guess sepia. You were, you know, the coloring of it was really that process seemed really interesting. 
tell me about what you know what was what kind of had that come about why did you do that what was it what was it like for you it all started i was when an art director saw my work he said you know i need a photographer to shoot a cute little sexy black lady for my magazine essence magazine so i was the first white person to shoot for them and then i was on a bus with my son and i said hey ron is that chick black he said yeah she looks it i said pretend you're a little kid i can I said, excuse me, miss. I'm wondering if I could possibly photograph you. She said, really? I said, well, it'll be a little different because it'll be without much clothing. She said, that's okay. Come to my house in Brooklyn, my apartment. So I went to her apartment, shot her on a bed, shot her in the bathtub, did all kinds of what I thought were seductive pictures. And when I brought them to the art director, he said, we're going to publish two of them. But now I need you to do some serious work of a writer and her children. I said, oh, okay. So I did a job for him and he published it. And then he called me and said, Playboy wants to do a magazine on women's fantasies. I said, uh-oh, watch it. <laughs> So I did a challenging thing. I didn't think at first it was going to be me, but I couldn't find anyone else. And it was one woman, two men, one wearing a black robe, one wearing a white robe. And then she, walking past the mirror, looks at herself, starts touching herself, when all of a sudden her hands are replaced by a man's. And then she's between two men. Was that your fantasy or is that someone else's fantasy? Yeah, that was mine. Was the sex in those images real, if I can ask that? Because it seems pretty real. Uh, it was, couldn't find a man, but my husband and his best friend. Okay. So it couldn't be real sex. It was just photos. Okay. And at the end of this series, after I'm lying down with the two men worshiping me, yeah. you see me lying alone, wondering if they were there or just in my fed. And there's, you took 12 of them, right? There was 12 that were made, put out? Ele 11 in the series. Um, okay. And what was the reaction? Did people, were people shocked? Were they, did they, did they like him? Did they, you know, did they give you a hard time? Did they honor you? What, what was the reaction of being a, you know, a photographer and, and having done that? The reaction was they were amazed that I could make color out of black and white. Oh, all right. Cause of, cause of the way you, the process you used. Yes, but because I was married to the art director of popular photography, he, he had a lot of knowledge and taught me. And together, we separated the colors with something called maskoid, sort of like rubber cement that would not pick up color in those areas. So if you dip it in green to get the silk sheets. I got you. Yeah, and then sepia tone to get the skin color. Really beautiful. And people wondered how did I make it color because it looks so realistic. I got you. All right, can we shift? Can we shift to your fashion work and costume design? Absolutely. I saw Chorus Line when I was like in sixth grade, and it 
I'm, I'm a huge musical theater fan and that that one particularly just changed my life in terms of what theater could be and you know it's, it's funny it's um the way they made that I mean they interviewed people with real stories and they told those stories and then the musical is one of my favorites what was it like to work on Chorus Line? I was in the costume shop making costumes and dyeing fabrics, whatever they asked me to do. And that is the first play I ever went to. First version of it with Michael Bennett? Yes. Holy crap. That's amazing. Those were my costumes there. And for Joseph Howell for Shakespeare and Company, I did costumes for Hamlet. Oh, Hamlet. Which, who was, do you remember who the actors were or anything? Do you remember what, what year? Probably late 60s. And The Tempest. I did uh, Shakespeare costumes that were uh, uniforms, detailed. Yeah. What influenced your fashion or your sense of fashion or your costume design? What, what what influenced that? Was it a certain period of time? Was it all over the place? Where did you get your where did you get your ideas or interests in terms of fashion? If you can if you can think about that for a second. First of all, my mother taught me to sew when I was five year five years. I picked up the scraps off my grandpa's floor from Fox's dress shop. Or you had a store for a while, correct? Uh, he had a store front in uh, Southern Boulevard in the Bronx. And he made dresses to order. Okay. Basically house dresses. Right, right, okay. Lots of buttons down the front. Nice. And I would take the fabric for my dolls and make my blouses. And then it was just a hobby. But in high school, all the kids needed their pants altered a little tighter. So I would do it for cigarette money, except that was a bad habit to have. You had a store in New York for a while, for for a year or two, or oh yes, called Flow Like Water. Yeah, how was that? I mean, what? How did that come to happen? Uh, I was once walking by on Perry Street, one of my favorite tree-lined streets, and this little store said, for rent. And I saw the guy in the open doorway. I said, sir, would you be able to rent that to me? He said, oh, it's already rented. I'm sorry. I said, oh, too bad. He said, wait a minute. Don't you have a kid that always plays out on the street? I said, yeah. He said, he's a nice kid. I like him. I would rent it to you for $42 a month Whoa. for the front room. And he used the back as his office. And you designed everything you sold? You designed everything you sold? You made everything for the store? Uh, well, it had a bay window. And there I had a mannequin from her thighs up to her head. I cut off the top of her head, put a planter in it, all angel hair, so it all looked like her hair. And I painted her white, put her in the window of the store. You were around that scene, like the factory and where Hall. Did you tell me about that? What was it like to be? I never went to the factory. I probably was on the verge of going there. I met Andy in the Studio 54 and Xenon, and he would always hang out in the same places and photographed him there at a distance. He came over to me 
And the guy who owned the store called Cabaret said, hey, Flo, good to see you. Wait a minute, Flo Foxley, Andy Warhol. I said, wow, nice to meet you. And the cameraman said, you two are the greatest artists on this earth. There you go. And wow, I don't know if I could be put in your category, Andy, but it is good to meet you. That's awesome. He, he photographed me. Yeah, and I photographed him. And I also became, years later, Gigi and I became friends with Fred Hughes. Who was Fred Hughes? Howard Hughes' relative, the, uh, the cousin of Howard Hughes. And then he invited me to his house that Andy gave him on Lexington Avenue. He's the one that made Andy famous. Fred Hughes was also in a wheelchair like my us. Both of us had MS, so we automatically started talking. Was he a nice person? Did the nice person get to know? Was he helpful in your process? Um, I wish. Just as he made Andy famous, he could have promoted me too, but he didn't. I'm sorry. It seems like you've had a lot of times in your life that you got very close to being famous, but it didn't, it didn't just, it didn't get fully there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty, you know, I mean, honestly, like, there's a lot of information about you. There's a few documentaries. You've been interviewed by, I mean, you've, you know, you've, people bought your life story. Like, you're doing pretty good. I want to get into your activism very impressed that you fought for things and there's a story about the bank and they had you know all this shit around you, you wanted it a stamp and they were like giving you shit and then you like going out and fighting the buses and do you identify as an activist in certain ways in a way you could call me that but it's not that i was doing it just for myself right doing it for everybody who needs to get somewhere i sued lincoln center Avery Fisher Hall because they had a sign of a person in a wheelchair with a heavy chain that locked the door so you couldn't possibly use their elevator. And then I had to walk up steps with my cane and a man said, get your wheelchair out of here, it's in the way. I said, sir, it's not blocking the door. It's as far out of the way as I could put. He said, I don't like it here. I said, that's you. I have a show here. That's the way I could get here. Yeah. I kept walking up. He oh, kept my God. Yelling. I'm really sorry. But I had to go to the bathroom. And then I got upstairs, turned around, saw him again. I said, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> that's good. And I did. And that's um, not a lot of money, enough for me at my son to go to Europe and hit hitch, hitchhike through 11 different countries. Well, wow, tell me about that. Tell me you, you like to travel, correct? I loved it. Where are some, where, I mean, tell me about either that trip or where, where are some of your, you know, what are some of your, I don't know, favorite places to visit or, you know, or just trips you've had. Tell me about your, why you like to travel. Paris. Paris. Pa Père Lachaise Cemetery. You're going to be buried there, correct? No. I read you made a deal with a photo to then get you and your son a plot. Is that right? Or am I making that up? Hey, uh, that's in Queens. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I got, okay. Right near Houdini. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, I guess, I think I just, when I was reading that, I think I didn't realize it had switched from France to Houdini. 
now. Every place I've ever traveled, I don't go to a museum to see the history. I go to the cemetery. I, th- I read that. I thought that was really smart. Now, you, I think you had said somewhere I'd read like that you also do that because like that's where your family is essentially, correct? Is that's well got into cemeteries because you wanted to be close to your family having they having had they died that is that kind of what you're talking was that the start of it or is it just are you is it more of the darkness of a cemetery i guess the start was when i went to my mother's funeral and i wondered who were neighboring souls but i kept quiet because the whole family was quiet and I guess at that time I thought I'm curious to see who has been here yeah I feel like you're the kind of person that has probably seen a ghost you talked about having been when you were on 32 medications how you were able to see the future and it seems like you have a little bit I think a lot of artists have a magic and and they they can they can get in touch with things that everybody can get in touch with and it seems like you are that kind of person at least from reading about you well, I think if you take enough drugs, those were doctor's drugs that I was overdosed. Yeah. I'm sorry you went through that. It seemed like that was your one time where it was life was rough. Uh, it was, yes. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Well, we all have a hard time now and then. I know. I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, like it's, you've had a tough story. I don't, I don't feel sorry for you, but I can still have compassion and a very positive person. You've done so much. I don't feel bad for you. I know you, you know, but it's, you can also have compassion for somebody and not feel bad for them. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, So you also, I want to get, I want to talk about your, your, you know, your work. I know you have some work in the Brooklyn Museum in the Smithsonian. Um, I know you said you're published um, Buenos Aires, Argentina, Spain. You did a show in France. How many, tell me more about back in the day when you were out traveling other countries, doing shows. What was that like? Were any, any particular shows that were memorable or experiences that were like you want to share? I guess my favorite was with Ouija's work. Yeah. And I, I have had many shows with uh, group shows and one woman shows. I'm having one come up this fall. Carter Bird in the Gallery. Uh, and you had a retrospective recently, right? I, there was some video I found. It looked like it was maybe two or three years old. That was a retrospective of your work in New York. For Carter Bird Gallery. Uh, before they were called Carter Bird Gallery. They were just called Seventh Avenue Gallery. What was it like to teach mostly blind students? Correct. That was what your was your job. It was interesting to translate what they couldn't see, and those of us with partial vision could explain. And they want to know if there's trees outside the bedroom window, and what the chick looks like behind the bar, <laughs> and just any details. Okay. And then one student, totally blind, he took a photograph of me, which is on the back of my book, Asphalt Gardens. And that book was in the window of a store, a photography store called Clicks. And then Gigi, my close friend, was walking by that gallery. 
her at that photo store. Saw my show in the window called New York is a Black and White. And it was all black and white people in black and white photography. And she saw my book, Asphalt Gardens. Went in the store, asked the old, how do I buy that book? And he sold her a cup. And then the next that week, her girlfriend saw me on a bus recognized me from the book oh wow and said are you for fox she said my friend Gigi photographer wants to meet you I said just tell her to look me up I'm the only flow fox in the book yeah that's awesome Gigi Chloe and I said yes your ass over here <laughs> we've been friends ever since and you're involved I know you're one of the artists in the two by two media correct that's right I'm the one she said I made her begin that I'm, I'm the beginning of her entourage and I don't know if I'm allowed to say it but this week she met Churchill's niece or granddaughter and invited her to join she's 80 84 year old sculptor I want to get back to for a second is is Asphalt Garden was that your big book was that kind of your was that book big free was that your first book and kind of the big the one the most popular one you've had uh, i would say so uh it all began when this company called the national access center for disabled people the head of that discovered my work okay and discuss and decided he wanted to make a book and I said, wow, and that's how it began. It says, Asphalt Gardens, 69 photos by Chloe Two questions is, why Asphalt Gardens? And I'm, I'm, I know why 69, it seems. Like, I could be wrong, but I'm getting the impression you've been a very sexual person in your life, which is fair and great. Um, why, why Asphalt Gardens? What does that, what does that mean for you? Well, it's basically, it's a city where we have some gardens, some trees, some pleasures. I want to talk about your dictology project. What, how that come about? Are you still doing that, or did that was only that was for twenty three years, right? Twenty four. And and have you like have you ever have you ever made a book of that? Have you ever shown that work? The ones I've seen, I, I think it's funny. I think it's smart. You know, it's it's artistic. I mean, it's really great. I had an exhibit in Soho, in a very hip type show. Wow, I have photographed over a hundred penises, de decorated them all with who the person was, and uh, a documentary film called Mindology. The only place I found that was on Mubi. Uh, YouTube took it off. What was the documentary like? What was the just talking about the process? What was Tell me about the documentary, if you can. It was a filmmaker named Marshall Fine, and he was fascinated by it. And it won two awards, one in Amsterdam, one in Woodstock. That's really cool. How did the other documentary come? The one that was, uh, it's on Vimeo, the one that maybe was made, looks like six or seven years ago, or maybe 10 years ago, with a female director, I forget her name. How did that come to be? Uh, what was her name? Riley, Riley, right. I don't even want to give her credit. Oh, I'm she sorry. Didn't, she didn't even want to give me credit. Oh, she's not a nice person. Oh, I'm really sorry about that. I wouldn't have brought it up if I knew that was a bad thing. No, that's okay. Should be known that she's very selfish. Yeah, it happens. And, and I heard 
that it was playing at the Tribeca Film Festival. She didn't tell me. Oh, what a, that's shitty. And she just said, is it okay if I show it in a few places? I said, I don't know. And she said, I'll give you $1,000 off the books. I said, I'll take it. You talk a lot about horoscopes and signs. You asked me what my, I noticed you asked me what my sign was when we met. Tell me about your belief in, in astrology. Since the tides control the oceans and the waves and the water, and since we are made up of water, aren't the tides controlling us? And when the tides control the full moon and there's more troubles in police stations when there's a full moon, then you know that the planets each have some influence. What is your sign, and how do you identify in your sign? I'm a Libra. Oh, you're, well, you told me, right, you're September 26th, right? Yeah. Yeah, your birthday is two days after mine. I forgot that. I'm sorry. Yeah. How do you identify as a Libra? What do you, What is Libra about you? Do you, you know, are you, one, are you one of the Libras that can actually make decisions or not? Because I, I can't. I don't, <laughs> apparently, we're bad at decision making. I cannot make decisions. And not only that, my moon and my rising is Gemini, the twins. What does that mean in terms of the sign? What does that Going in opposite direction. I'm influenced on each side of me by being off the wall. So it's not just the Libra. And all three of those are all air signs. Okay. Which means I don't know if I'll ever come back down to her. In the research I did for you that seeing graffiti made you want to start shooting color. I want to hear more about that if you're okay sharing that. It just was so colorful. And I wished I had color film. And then I bought color film and always shot it ever since. And it was like Coda, you, you, it was Coda what? Which Coda? Coda color. Uh, wait a minute. Yes, that was negative film. Coda chrome was slides. Slide film. Right. So I always use Coda color. And then, yeah, that was important. If I wanted black and white, I could easily make black and white out of that. If you think about your like, you know, fashion path and photography, are you comfortable sharing like a two or three minute story or even longer, maybe, you know, three or four, just, I want to hear a story of, of, of a meaningful moment in, in, in that, in that whole time frame. As my hands became more crippled and it was hard to be grabbing fast photographs. I then started doing artwork inside, which, hey, Ron, did we send any film can art? I started making artwork out of empty film cans. Oh, can you see it behind me? Oh, wow. Oh, that's an... I started making those giant pieces on my bedroom wall and in here, and it was even though at the end, as I became crippled, anyone who entered, I'd say, can you press the line of glue right here? And then I would be able to put film hands on. One is a three by four and a half foot camera, all black film cans, and then silver ones, the old metal film cans make up the lens, and then the white film cans are the lens itself. 
and in my bedroom, I have a flat iron building. I had rented a helicopter. Shot that was the same store, Flicks, on 23rd Street. And he said, hey, Flo, if you had a lot of money, what would you do with it? I said, rent a helicopter and shoot the flat iron building. He said, oh, that's easy. I'll give you the money for that. Yes. And after I photographed it and had a five or six foot picture made, I glued the film cans on it, white film cans making the building, using just the gray tops, lower to make the sidewalk. Then you also see lots of taxis in the street. So all of a sudden there's real life in the Yeah, you're very creative and really uh, really intelligent about how you think about it. You're very, very create creative in, in what you think. You think about things that a lot of people don't, which is probably what makes you a really good photographer and, and artist in general. All right, Flo, have a great night. Thanks again for doing this. It was really a pleasure good. meeting you and talking to you. Nice meeting you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for checking this out. First thing I want to do is, is encourage you to check out our website. We have our um, Instagram feed on the website from now on because unfortunately Instagram is censoring a lot of my, my content for ridiculous, ridiculous reasons. Um, they choose, they basically, if somebody reports something, it's all based on a word. So if you use a word like burn or kill, even if you're just saying, I'm going to burn the house down when I go dance tonight, they're going to cut it down. They're going to shut it down for, you know, they're going to say that's violence. So it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I've been trying to fight it. I've been helping other people fight it. But I know I, I'm not really, you know, our main way of getting this word out about this is our Instagram, which I love, but I don't really like those conditions. Whenever you get something taken down, it's just you're, you could lose your page. And it's no way to really work. So anyway please check out the website because that's, that's that's where I'm going to be eventually going to and moving away from Instagram. Um, we've got some great episodes coming up with uh, David Pesquisi, um, who's an actor. He's been in all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, we've got a few episodes with Jody Weil, who has done all this really cr crazy and amazing research into uh, the Source family, if you know who that is. Uh, there's a Source family documentary. You can check that out. And Unarius. Um, which is another whole amazing thing uh, and some really other great stuff. So again, thank you. If you have a few bucks and want to support this work, uh, you can, we have a Patreon. It's really helpful. I don't make any money at this at all. So it's helpful to get donations for that. And again, just check back with the episode um, in the text. There's a bunch of links about Flo's work and other things we're doing. You could really access that way. So thanks again. Really appreciate your support and please share the work. Please share about this podcast. This is all word of mouth. We don't have money to advertise. Um, it's a lot of work. I love doing it, but and any you know, other people are promoting us really helps. And also check out our last episode. It was one of my favorites with uh, Mojo Nixon, um, who is really worth checking out. So again, have a great week. Until next week, I will see you then. We thought in different ways.